Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. If there is a common theme among all of this country's industries this past year, including our education and healthcare systems, it is the idea that it is not that important, uh, not that essential, really, to build a building, to have four solid walls in order to run a successful business, organization, or school, or provide access to healthcare. The world has been pushed, whether it likes it or not, into virtual and remote work and study, takeout restaurants and Zoom dating. And as we've talked a lot, a lot on this show, uh, healthcare too has been forced into the remote and virtual world. And although we've paid a lot of attention to the clinical side of healthcare moving into the virtual, we've paid less attention to the administrative side of healthcare. More and more, the business of paying for healthcare, the life of a healthcare claim from its birth to its payment, has also become remote. And as healthcare breaks out of those four walls, the increased risk of cyber attacks also increases. In our virtual studio today, we are honored to have Dan Dotson, CEO of Fortified Health Security. Dan is going to talk to us about these cybersecurity risks, about emerging risks on the administrative side of healthcare about the role of government and industry in combating cyber attacks, and whether cyber attacks are now like bad weather. It's no longer if it will happen, but when. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Weedy, W-E-D-I, is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. And as I've said, we are excited to have Dan Dotson, CEO at Fortified Health Security with us today. Welcome to the show, Dan, and glad to have you on our show. Thank you, Matthew, and very, uh, very excited to be here. And uh, I just want to start by saying thanks to all the uh, frontline workers for everything that's happened over the last year and uh, looking forward to, to talking today. Good, good. Terrific way to kick off the show, actually, because uh, I think without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. And it, it feels like there's a, a light could be the sun at the end of this tunnel, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, us on the cybersecurity side of, of healthcare, so to speak, are, are we do what we do to enable them to uh, protect our community. So. Um, we're, we're thankful for them and, and also the cyber folks that have helped us along the way. Excellent. So uh, let's start with that. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan, and how you uh, came into this discipline of cybersecurity, maybe a little bit about your personal journey and, and how you became a healthcare leader, I'd say, at this point in your life. Absolutely, Matthew. Uh, appreciate the question. You know, I think everyone has their unique kind of story on how they got into healthcare. Uh, mine started uh, when I was nine and actually moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and my neighbor um, happened to be starting a uh, medical billing company. And so I really, at a young age, saw this gentleman who's now my mentor today build this successful business that allowed, at the time, uh, for a better, seamless patient experience on the financial side and helped uh, primarily uh, doctors do their billing. And so. Um, I, I loved his business. I interned a little bit out of that uh, kind of summer jobs types of things. And then when I started to figure out what I wanted to do in college, um, I, I had always, always been focused on business. So I have an accounting and finance degree, but I chose Texas Tech University because 
they had this health organization management program, which is an MBA program that has a healthcare um, concentration associated with it. And so I, I went there knowing I was going to kind of go straight through the academics. I wasn't someone that loved school. And as part of that journey, um, I, I completed that 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 uh, step in my in my uh, in my career. And then I started working for the local hospital there uh, in Lubbock. And I basically sat between pro systems at the time. Now, now Dell or NTT, it's gone through multiple iterations, but they had the outsourcing agreement and then kind of local IT. And that was my first entree into uh, electronic medical records. Right. And so I really got to see the implications, positive, negative, um, that that journey had on the delivery of care. And I was super intrigued by it. And so, um, you know, I, I did a I did a fellowship there. I love what I saw. Ended up working at Pro Systems. So really, from the beginning, Matthew, I've been involved in kind of the IT angle of of health delivery, if you will. And so um, I spent some time on the strategy team at Pro Systems, really trying to figure out you know, this was in the in the R time frame. So, you know, EHRs are coming on like uh, like crazy. There's tons of capital deployment. And so always been intrigued in that um, area. And then um, went had a n- number of, of uh, other stops along the way, but um, always found myself wanting to get back into into healthcare IT. And one of the things that was a common talk tracking concern when I would talk to, to clients and friends and networking was, Kind of this notion of cybersecurity, and so um, when I was at um, a consulting organization that was he- heavily focused on EHR, they had this really small um, cyber business, uh, what, which is what is now Fortify Health Security. And so um, I had the uh, the honor and privilege to, to get involved in that business, and it's now a standalone business. We uh, we serve hundreds of health systems across the U.S. Um, and we really work with them day to day to build resiliency against the uh, the threats in the landscape, and so that's kind of my quick journey into uh, into cybersecurity. Well, I love it because first of all, it started when you were eight, or did you say eight or nine? Nine, nine. nine. Yeah. I love that, and I think the other interesting thing is that you've you've traveled between the administrative side and the clinical side with the EHR, and I think it's it's almost a, a rare uh, healthcare leader who who is fluent in both of those worlds. So I think that's. That's very an interesting aspect of your experience. Tell us a little bit more about what Fortified Health Security uh, does and what it's doing uh, now. Yeah, absolutely. So our mission is to strengthen the security posture of healthcare. You know, we have um, a, a, a a privilege, frankly, as we talk about it internally, but also a responsibility to um, work with the healthcare organizations throughout the country to uh put programs in place to lower the likelihood of an incident um, and or um, limit the damage uh, to your opening comments about, you know, if and when, and and there's that whole debate. But what we do basically is we work with organizations to make sure that they're um, following the regulatory requirements. We do assessments. We build roadmaps. We have a virtual CISO program for organizations that maybe can't afford or doesn't make sense to have a full-time CISO. Um, And then we have a full um, operation center. It's based in Nashville, um, where we, um, in kind of a hybrid delivery model with our clients, do um, security operations center uh, work for them, where we do monitoring and management of uh, different security tools and processes. And then um, we have our threat intelligence team that takes all of the information and data and insights that we gain in our clients and 
um, make sure that all boats are rising. Everyone is 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 that joins the fortified ecosystem benefits from that to better protect uh, patients in their communities. Very good, very good. One of the things uh, we talked about before we got on air, and and you you, you uh, uh, talked about this too with your your own personal history, is um, this idea that you know often when we think about cyber attacks, uh, especially in the past year. It's been, you know, the, the rise of telehealth and this more idea of um, access to healthcare uh, virtually as patients. Um, but you say that there's also some risks on the administrative side, which we haven't seen before. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, ultimately, as we think about healthcare, primarily providers, which is which is a lot of our expertise um, and, and their mission is to deliver care. Right. And so we want to make sure that if they have an event that it doesn't disrupt care, right? And and so where administrative side comes into play is that, you know, especially pre-pandemic, there was the four walls of the administrative building, right? And anybody that wasn't on the clinical team went there and that's where they delivered their work and they had policies and procedures and, and a level of comfort, Matthew. And I think what we've seen in the last year is, and, and, and they were, healthcare was, really slow or bleeding edge if you let people work from home, right? I mean, most people went to their health, to their health systems and that all got, you know, um, all, all changed, right? And everybody went home. And so now you have the same level of sensitive data now in the home setting. And when you look at the threat landscape, most of the adversaries get into these health systems via email. And so we have heavy email users in an environment that they're less comfortable in, working on an infrastructure that may or may not have been put up quickly in response to the work from home shift. And so basically the attack surface, as we talk about it from a cyber expertise perspective, increased, right? And so as as we think about the repercussions of a negative cyber event for a healthcare organization, certainly we do not want people's individual information exposed. I don't want that, you don't want that, Nobody wants that, but we really don't want to disrupt care, right? And so there's this linkage between maybe actions that people take on the administrative side and what might actually happen um, in the clinical side. And so they're often on the same network and have the same level of impact. And so that's really where those things are tied together very closely. Very good. And, you know, you talked about disrupt care. And and another thing uh, that I see uh, your company looking into is um, again something that we don't often think about when we're thinking about uh, you know cyber attacks on the on the clinical or on the administrative case, and that's the connected medical devices. And the way I think about this is, um, you know, I think about my house and I think uh, I've got Wi-Fi in my house, but that Wi-Fi is just not for me to you know watch kitten videos. It's also connected to maybe the camera that's making sure my Amazon packages don't get stolen, right? It's connected to my kid's PlayStation. It might be connected it's connected to some of my lights that I turn on in the morning with Alexa, right? Like suddenly I'm typing in my Wi-Fi uh, code for many of like my my the things in my house. And I, it sounds like that's the same thing with a connected medical device is. The same risk there is you've got a hospital, which, yes, might be you know, having their computers is connected to Wi-Fi, but there's also all sorts of other devices uh, which are connected to that same Wi-Fi system. Do I have that that parallel right? Yeah, a- absolutely. And I think just like you're seeing in your home setting where you have more Alexas and you have your scale and you have your your, your other devices and, um, you know, lights, as you as you describe because of the convenience factor, right? 
And because of the value of being able to manage your personal life on a single cell phone, right? Or a single smartphone, I should say. Um, hospitals and health systems are seeing that same type of trend, right? So now we've we've made these big investments in our EHR. We're working now on optimization and clinical workflow. You hear a lot about that, the patient experience. Well, in order to drive that, we need more data and insight. So let's plug in the infusion pump. Let's plug in the bed, right? Let's plug in, you know, um, uh, blood, you know, blood glucose monitors. Let's, you know, all of those things become uh, data inputs to a better patient experience and better care plan, et cetera. And so what, what becomes challenging with that is the security controls that we can put around those devices vary from what you might use for a traditional laptop or desktop or server. And so we've got to think through and we are thinking through as an industry how to better protect those devices. And and how does that work? I, and you know, I've often thought you, you hear the stories about you know a hospital shutting down uh, because uh, they're under a cyber attack or somebody's ransoming their data. Um, what are the risks involved um, with, say, uh, an X-ray machine or, like you said, a bed that uh, that may interact with the Wi-Fi system and collect data from there? How how, how what might a scenario would be? Yeah, so I think that um, the 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 IOT or medical devices or IOMT devices um, can serve as an entry point to the network. So um, I mentioned earlier that traditional antivirus and those types of, of, uh, of protections against malware and entry that you deploy and update on your normal PCs and laptops and, and endpoints aren't applicable in some instances, in most instances, to the, the medical device. So let's start with that. So, and the reason why is, Lot of, like, let's just take a CT machine as an example. It's running technology, but we can't, there's no like monitor, right? So I can't just put on an, an application that protects the, um, the device from a cyber incident because it may change or alter, the, alter that performance of that machine, right? And so in simple man speak, right? And so I use other safeguards. Well, if I don't have those other safeguards in place, if I'm a bad actor, I can use the access to that machine and then jump to the network to get to the goods and to your point, hold them for ransom, uh, download information that I can sell on the dark net or, you know, whatever. And so it, number one, it's an entry point. Uh, and, and that's what we're, we're, we're largely seeing here right today. Also what could happen is they could manipulate the functionality of that device. Mm. Right. I mean, that would be really bad. Right. Um, when you think about patient outcomes and, and what we're trying to do, um, and, and a lot of times today we're seeing the bad actors and threat actors looking for data for monetization and gain, right? And so that's why they want to do that. Um, holding ransom is your, is your point. And, and so uh, we don't see them using it for those types of stuff, but that's a risk point, right? Um, and then that could lead to something that would be unfavorable um, for sure. Right. Very interesting. Thank you, Dan. Uh, when we come back, I want to pick up with Dan again. Uh, talk a little bit about the role of government in terms of uh, protecting us from cyber um, attacks. And also, I want to get to this question of uh, it's not about if, it's about when, about cyber attacks. So for now, though, let's take, uh, take a quick break, and we're going to hear from our producer, Michael McNutt. The preeminent National Membership Association for Health IT Guidance and Collaboration 
Weedy has earned the title of being an instrumental force in engaging public and private partnerships, facilitating discussions, and providing a collaborative voice as a national healthcare advisor to provide meaningful changes for the American healthcare system. Become a member and provide national leadership that enhances the exchange of clinical and administrative healthcare information. Join one of our various work groups where Weedy members collect input, exchange ideas, and make recommendations that inspire impactful and far-reaching change in our industry. Learn more about how you can make a difference at Weedy.org. We're back and we're talking to Dan Dotson, CEO of Fortified Health Security, on another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. So, uh, Dan, we had uh, talked, uh, touched a little bit about uh, uh, the government, uh, what the government's role in is this. Uh, maybe uh, dive into that a little bit for us. What, what responsibility uh, does the industry have? What responsibility does the government have? Where do the two meet in terms of protecting us from cyber attacks? Yeah, ex- ex- excellent question. And, and probably a thesis question, probably a, you know, a PhD yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I would say it's a shared responsibility. Matthew, I think that there, there's an opportunity for um, payers to play a role and health systems to play a role, the third-party organizations that support the delivery of healthcare to play a role, the consumer to play a role. Um, so I think overall it's a shared responsibility. I think what makes it uh, extraordinarily complicated from a regulatory perspective is that you know there's all this calls for interoperability, right? And 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 the reason we want to do that is to provide better care. And so there's like no one really argues with that. But what we're what we're shifting through is how do we do that? Right. How do we do that? Not only in competitive healthcare markets when you have to help competing health systems, but how do we do that securely? And so I think there's been some regulatory uh, progress around APIs and there's some notions around how do we standardize on that? How do we make sure that it's safe? And then um, there's folks that say, well, if it's all standard, it'll be easier to get into. And so you know, all of the things. And so I think it's a shared responsibility. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about medical devices where there has been some progress um, on the regulatory front relative to the uh, FDA approval process. So let's move cyber earlier in that approval process, which is good. But the other side of that coin is what happens to the hundreds of thousands of medical devices that are already deployed in health systems across the U.S., across the world. Um, that are running legacy infrastructure. Um, and I've, I've yet to meet a CFO in a hospital that's going to replace a medical device if it's working clinically, right? So these are the complicating factors, but I do think that um, there is opportunity to um, uh, have a shared responsibility. I think some of the government um, work around um, the stark relaxation relative to sharing information that was utilized for EHRs. We're trying to port some of that into the cyberspace, which will be good for some of our smaller community hospitals or practices. And so I think there's some work to be done. But, um, you know, I I do think one area um, that is starting to get some conversations around is the notion that cybersecurity is expensive. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, there was obviously massive amounts of of capital deployed to help digitize healthcare with the whole EHR move. Um, You know, how do we think about um, potentially participating um, on a more macro scale in the uh, procurement of cybersecurity technologies for some of these organizations that struggle um, with those elements. And so that's an, that's an area that I think needs to generate some more conversations. Very good. Very good. And, and on, that, on that point, um, uh, I've heard it said uh, uh, when it comes to cybersecurity or cyber attacks that it's not, um, it's not if it's going to happen. We're no longer in a world where 
you know, <laughs> like getting robbed, right? Like, oh, you might get robbed once in your life or something, right? Uh, that that no longer is the case with uh, cyber attacks. That it's really um, when that you can pretty much expect sometime it's going to rain on your parade and, and you'll have to uh, defend yourself. Is that true? Is there is there any is there any uh, is there a unicorn fix out there, a panacea where we can actually stop this from happening someday, or uh, or are we really stuck with the uh, when? You know, I, I wish there was a civil bullet. I think that um, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is there's not. Um, I think that um, some of the challenges is that, and if you look at the data on, on the historical reported breaches, again, email, which is a human interaction, is a huge entry point, right? And so we spend a lot of time with technical safeguards and administrative safeguards and training and awareness. And, and candidly, we've made progress in that, more progress to be made. Um, but as long as we're still dealing with um, you know, humans interacting and legacy infrastructures and medical devices in this multifaceted, I, I think we're going to be in that environment. Uh, what I would also say, though, that is more encouraging is, especially as a, you know, running a security operations center, there are tons of uh, incidences and events and situations, if you will, that are thwarted off every single day, mm. right? And, and that, so, so we do have positive stories to be told um, relative to defense. Um, but if, if many practitioners, which we agree with is, is if, you know, um, um, and when kind of conversation, I would tell you that, okay, if we believe that, how do we minimize the impact? Good. Right. And so if it does happen to my organization, how do I not disrupt my mission of being able to deploy, you know, clinical care? And so that's the way to look at it. And so if I can reduce the likelihood by putting in safeguards and then be prepared, if something does happen, so that our mission as a healthcare organization doesn't get disrupted. I can, can continue to serve my community um, is the way that I think folks are thinking about it. So good. So do you have any um, high level suggestions on that? I know this is your business and it's probably not this easy, right? But do you have any high level suggestions on how to mitigate that damage? And I'm thinking about some of the stories over the pandemic where when the data was turned, turned uh, put was ransomed, that suddenly the hospital had to go all to paper and they had to figure out how to move paper back and forth uh, and manually operate certain aspects of their processes. Any, any high-level ideas about how to keep that um, the the amount of damage uh, that might happen uh, with a cyber attack down? Yeah, you know, I think that um, the simplest way that I can put it is that oftentimes when you when you to the extent that the information's available, when you go down to the okay, yes, they got in, but how did they disrupt my organization that much? Oftentimes, it goes back to what we call the security fundamentals. It's the patching, it's the uh, security awareness training, it's the SIM monitoring, it's having advanced endpoint technologies, it's the fundamentals, right? And so when, when I talk to boards and C-suites, what, what oftentimes I realize is like, oh man, we're spending more money we've ever spent on cyber, we have all this technology. And, 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 and that's great, and that's a step. But what I think people lose sight of sometimes, Matthew, is, is in order to extract protection from that technology or reduce risk using that technology, it has to be managed and monitored, right? And so this is not a set it and forget it. This is a set it and to, you know, tune it and tweak it. And we oftentimes have this knowledge gap between our perceived protection and our actual protection because we forget those fundamentals. And that, that's where I see organizations falling down. And it's the blocking and tackling. It's the it's the unfun thing. It's the non-project work. It's kind of the day-to-day grind. And then that's where organizations need to need to stay focused and disciplined. Right. Very good. 
very interesting. I'm trying to think of an analogy in life, but where, you know, where once it was like a, a, an outlier and we'd have to think about it once a year because we go through training. But here it's really just going to make it a part of your daily corporate life as something you do, just like locking the doors to the to the office when you leave the office. Right. You wouldn't think, oh, why am I being bothered with locking the door? Right. It just right. becomes a, a automatically becomes a part of our preventative maintenance. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Terrific. So um, uh, one of the things, and I can't get it out of my head now, is uh, one of the uh, remote medical devices that you talked about was actually getting data from the bed. Um, and I can see how that might be very uh, crucial in the hospital. And I'm also not thinking about, well, that'd be great for a, a hotel chain, too, because they would know exactly what, you know, what uh, firmness of blanket or firmness of uh, mattress and what firmness of pillow I'd want. And I wouldn't have to go to the front desk for more. Uh, but uh, that's all to say, you know, where do you see uh, healthcare going in the next five years when it comes to IT or when it comes to data or maybe when it comes to cybersecurity itself. But um, where do you think we're headed? You know, I, I think I think we've been on this multi-year journey to, you know, put the patient at the center of care. And I, and I think that we're going to we're going to continue on that journey. And I think that um, consumers of healthcare are going to be um, demanding a better experience uh, in how to consume care. And I think, li listen, there's no time than now of like this um, rolling out of this vaccine, which is from a technology perspective, it's easier to call an Uber or order Domino's than it is to, to, to get a vaccine. And we had all this time to do it. It's super frustrating. It's so many websites and they crap. I mean, we're not going to demand, we're going to demand some of those same things in healthcare. And so, um, I think that will move care outside, you know, of acute care facilities, which lots of folks are talking about. And I think that, that organizations are going to demand that. And I think from a cyber perspective, it goes back to the exchanging of data, and the protection of data. Um, so I think they're going to see some, a, a lot more conversations around that and how do we procure it out, out, outside of the kind of four walls of our, of our healthcare organization. On the administrative side, um, I, I don't think we're going to rubber, uh, you know, band back to everybody back in the office that are doing administrative tasks. I think you're going to see that stay at home. And so what are the long-term cultural trends and those types of things um, that we got to think through on, on top of the, on this, on top of cybersecurity? One of the things we uh, talk about on the show uh, is the how those two worlds, the administrative side and the clinical side, are are so separate, right? Even from data standpoint and and from a department standpoint, and even like companies and vendors that kind of uh, work in that uh, that world. Um, do you think that virtual world, that remote world, that idea that you know the administrative people might be working from home now and the four walls are coming down? The, is that going to bring these two worlds closer together because everything's virtual and everything is remote and you don't have four walls? Or do you think it's make it, going to make it far farther apart? Uh, because once again, as people, we're actually further apart. We can't just walk across the street to the hospital and talk to the clinician itself. Yeah, great, great question. I, I think from a technology and infrastructure perspective, I think it's going to bring them closer together. Um, I, think, I think if we look back 20 years, we've even seen that from a from an EHR perspective, like now we have clinicals and financials. I mean, back in the day, those were very, very separate systems and they're integrated and we're trying to code earlier and pre-auth and all the things that we're doing. Um, I think that gets closer together. I think what might get farther away is the culture element, mm -hmm. right? I mean, these administrative people feel the mission of the healthcare organization. I'm walking into the building that's next to the hospital and I'm doing my duty and I'm in there for the mission. And so how do we keep that, right? Because there's it's such a critical role in delivering care in these communities. And so I think that'll be the challenge relative to moving farther away. 
Terrific, Dan. Uh, very interesting points on the on the cultural aspects and the changes there. Uh, before we go, any uh, resources or information that you think that uh, listeners might be interested in and everything or anything that we've talked about today? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that there's a couple of resources that I think are, are useful for, for organizations. One is uh, the HISAC uh, provides a lot of information around uh, cybersecurity, uh, threat landscape. They've done a great job. Um, providing uh, transparency and information uh, to healthcare organizations, which we highly recommend. Wait, wait. Um, so is that HISAC? Is that what you yes. said? Yes. Okay. HISAC. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's an information share, uh, sharing consortium that that is focused largely on uh, information security. So terrific. Good. Um, and then the Fortified uh, releases twice a year the Horizon Report for the it's not not super technical, but it talks about macro trends in cybersecurity. Um, and so if you want to understand. Um, how that landscape has changed over the last number of years. Uh, encourage folks to check out the Horizon Report as well. Very good. Well, thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure having you on our show today. Explored lots of different aspects. Absolutely, Matthew. I really appreciate the time and, uh, and thanks for the, uh, the time. Terrific. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. We've been talking to Dan Dotson, CEO at Fortified Health Security. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you for joining us and be safe.